Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Today's conversation is entitled, Leading Through a Storm. I'm Ron Huntley, your host, and today's guest is Father Michael Nixon, a pastor of St. Dominic Catholic Church in Panama City, Florida, a parish whose identity is rooted in their mission. But what happens when you're hit by a Category 5 hurricane? Listen and find out. Enjoy the conversation. Lift off and the clock has started. So in 2018, the third largest hurricane made landfall in the United States. Clearly, it brought with it a ton of devastation. With me today is Father Michael Nixon, who was a part of a community that was at the heart of that storm and had the courage to rebuild and to stay focused on the Great Commission. Welcome to the show, Father Michael. It is such a joy uh, to be here, uh, to be with you and, and yeah, just to share the good things that God has been doing and continues to do um, here in Panama City. We're, we're here on the Gulf Coast in Panama City, Florida. So uh, right, right up in the panhandle. Yeah, we were destroyed by Hurricane Michael in 2018, um, you know, now over two, two and a half years ago. And we're in the slow, amazing process of rebuilding following yeah. that. It's, it's been an adventure, I'll tell you what. I can't imagine it. You know what? I'm really looking forward to hearing. And for our listeners' sake, I don't know the story. And so I'm going to be sitting here with our listeners learning this firsthand, <laughs> and I can't wait. But what I do know is, is you and your passion and your capacity to lead and your love for Christ and his church. I do know that. And I'm wondering if you can maybe just share with us, you know, before the hurricane hit, where were you at with your priesthood, your leadership, and your community? Can you share a little bit of that? Yeah. I, um, well, I've been a priest now for 11 years. Um, so uh, I've, been, I've been here at St. Dominic Parish, where, where I am uh, now for, uh, this will be my eighth year. Uh, so my goodness, uh, six years as the pastor this year. So I was, I was about uh, four, four years in as the pastor um, at this parish. I had uh, taken over a, a very vibrant parish uh, that had really been committed to evangelization for a long time in a lot of different ways. It's kind of amazing. We started televising the Mass uh, here at St. Dominic Parish 40 years ago. Um, and yeah, seriously. So we're in an area of the country that's about 4% Catholic. So we're right in the Bible Belt. It's very, very Baptist. Uh, that's kind of um, so a lot of suspicion about Catholics and, and outright uh, hostility at times. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, so uh, the longtime Irish pastor at that time, 40 years ago, Monsignor Crow, who we're naming our, our, our new community center after, uh, the Monsignor Crow Community Center, um, he, uh, he was committed to evangelization. He, was, he, was, he built a lot of churches in the area and began televising the Mass as part of that outreach. It's interesting, when we opened up the church uh, that we've had to re completely remodel following the storm, but uh, when, when that was opened in 1981, uh, the Dialson newspaper had an article about it. And the, the subline for the article or the kind of the subheading for the article was, was parish goes all out for evangelization. Come and uh, so there was when, when it was opened up, it was uh, it was all sorts of, of outreach to the neighborhood and, and flyers and giving people tours and telling people about it. So it's like, you know, this is part of our DNA. I, I've been a lot more maybe explicit about it um, since I've taken over uh, but, uh, but it's beautiful to kind of have that as the backdrop. Um, 
and and yeah, that's kind of what I inherited as as a parish. We've been working hard as far as ministries and outreach and alphas and and uh, you know leadership formation and and encounter Christ retreats is kind of the big thing that we started. So in a sense, it kind of felt like we got this thing down. We're doing it right. You know, we got all these people coming into the church at Easter and adults being baptized and conversions happening. Um, people being reached with the gospel. We also have a, a, a studio um, on campus, St. Dominic Media um, uh, Production Center, uh, produces Catholic in America and Made for Glory and several other, uh, several other shows. Uh, this is before the storm, and we actually we've expanded it exponentially since the storm. But in a sense, kind of thinking, like, oh, man, we're good at this. We're, we're good at evangelization. Look how good we are. Um, and then so the storm happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, this Category 5 hurricane, Hurricane Michael, October 10th, 2018. And uh, we were here for it. So uh, I know people in Canada, other parts of the country might not know much about hurricanes, or they might think that, you know, we're always in hurricanes in Florida. We're not always in hurricanes. It's not, uh, it's not the case. But it basically uh, went from a strong two, category two, which in Florida, strong two, you, you have, you, you skip work that day and you have drinks on the back porch and walk go by, watch it go by. It's not, it's not a big deal at all. It went from a strong two on like a Monday evening to by Tuesday to become a strong four. And, it, and then all of a sudden it, it barreled right into um, a category five. And we were right in the epicenter of that. Uh, so Panama City Beach, just west of us, actually did relatively well, almost untouched. Um, and, but it kind of came to us here in Panama City and everything east of us. So Tyndall Air Force Base and Mexico Beach and Port St. Joe and all these areas, a lot of small coastal towns that really just got hit very, very hard. Um, we're in an area of, Panama City itself, it is very, um, I would say, economically depressed. I mean, it's an area with a lot of trailer parks and other things, too. So mm-hmm. just the devastation was was incredible. Um, we stayed. We were here at the house at, at the rectory. It was myself, my associate pastor at the time, Father Luke. Um, we had a seminary. He's about to be ordained a priest for our diocese, Richard Graham. Now, Deacon Richard Graham was with, was with us on his pastoral year. We say he had the best pastoral year ever. And, uh, and my dog. And so we were sitting, we were sitting watching, you know, watching out the window and then watch as our carport kind of got folded up and started going. And we're like, we should probably go to the stairs or something. So we went into the stairwell and we just sort of like, we'll see. Um, but, Holy uh, man, yeah, yeah, it was, man it was, you're freaking me out. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, it's nuts. And so of course that happened. And, you know, uh, we uh, kind of the immediate aftermath of our church, did structurally actually pretty well, but like everything inside was totally ruined and, and, you know, the steeple was, was torn off. Our other buildings, our parish hall or religious ed building um, were collapsed and destroyed and the roofs were gone and, and, and just, just pretty, pretty uh, horrific devastation. We have apartments, we have 12 apartments where elderly parishioners live here on campus and all of them were damaged in various ways. Um, and then of course, just the whole area, just everyone right. was, was without power. Everyone was without I think 90% of the residents in Panama city lost their roofs um, and, uh, or, or had to be totally replaced. So maybe there weren't, yeah. you know, uh, but so yeah, just kind of like, it's, it's rare to know someone who didn't have to replace their roof following the storm. Um, so, it, but just going back to the evangelization aspect. So kind of just, just, just recognizing that and, and, you know, just being like, man, we have, you know, everything we'd work towards all the programs, all the, all the buildings is all gone. And so the thing that we were preaching from the beginning, we have an outdoor Marian Grotto. And um, so we started doing mass as soon as we were able to out there, people would come and, and uh, it was really emotional. Um, yeah. On, on a lot of levels, but the thing we kind of kept coming back to, I, I, I kept preaching this was we, we have, everything's been taken from us except the mission. 
Like the, the mission, the mission is still here and the mission continues. And we, we always talked about our mission at St. Dominic Parish. We say this at the end of every mass set ablaze by God's generous love. We strive daily to encounter Christ for missionary disciples and evangelize others all through the power of the Holy Spirit. So encountering Christ for missionary disciples. Yeah. And evangelizing others. That, that's, that's what it's about. But it's interesting too. So two aspects of our destruction, because we had so much destruction, mm-hmm. um, what God does with that. So one I'll say about specifically uh, video evangelization, because, you know, we, we could have said like, well, we have a TV mass, we have this, this studio, we do a television show and online, we do videos and things. We're pretty good at this. So all the phones, all Verizon phones did not work after the storm. So 70% of our area was using Verizon. And so none of those were working at all. My, so, so I was getting no calls at all after the storm. My associate pastor, Father Luke, he had AT&T or Sprint or one of those things. Well, something else. And, um, and so he, he was getting calls. So he, get, he ends up getting a call the day after the storm from CNN. And they're like, we have a satellite crew down there. We want to interview somebody. So he had to borrow one of my shirts because the, the, um, our rectory, the, the back half of the roof came off completely. So over his room um, was, you know, just like open skylight. And so all of his clothes and everything else were destroyed. And uh, <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, so he had to borrow one of my shirts. We're very different sizes. And he had to borrow <laughs> one of my shirts. And uh, the CNN crew, CNN crew comes. And it's like, inter, you know, their international thing. And this is right after the storm. And he's standing in the wreckage of our parish hall. Like standing in the ruins of our parish hall. And Father Luke did, did an amazing job. He's an amazing priest. Um, he preached the gospel on CNN. And he talked about our hope being in the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. You know, the hope that, that, that nothing can take from us. And he also smacked down on Verizon as well. He's like, Verizon's not working at all. Um, AT&T is working, but Verizon isn't. To the point where AT&T started using that on one of their commercials, by the way. They have a clip <laughs> of Father Luke on CNN, you know, taking a shot at, at Verizon. But what's amazing, I thought, I thought about this so much, re, you know, in, in the, the time since then is like, almost like we're like, oh, we're really good at evangelization. God kind of like being like, look what I can do with just a destroyed building. Like God can do so much more just out of our brokenness and reach because more people were reached with the gospel that day from St. Dominic Parish, from the ruins of St. Dominic Parish than we had done in the entire existence of the parish. Um, so, yeah. So praise God for that. The other thing, too, is, is work with Catholic charities. We um, were right on a main, main highway here in Panama City yeah. and uh, just utter destruction all around all the trees. I think, you know, it, there's so few trees left in Panama City. It's, it's kind of and most all of them are. are severely damaged. Mm. It's just ugly, a lot of ugliness. Um, and all, a lot of poverty before the storms, what to speak yeah. of um, after that. So Catholic Charities of Northwest Florida, our local Catholic Charities, um, they contacted us and, and, you know, to get here right afterwards. And they, they were so great. And they said, hey, can we, can we bring, a tr- if we got a truck of water there and put it in your parking lot, would you be able to distribute it? And so we had no buildings, no serviceable buildings. We couldn't use, we couldn't use our church. The other buildings were just ruins. Our rectory, we eventually had to vacate because, you know, the, the roof yeah. had come off. We, we stayed in it as long as we could. Um, and we're like, yeah. So we put on, you know, just trees everywhere, trees down. We put on some cardboard signs on the road and said, like, you know, water. And that first day we got an 18-wheeler of water and people just came all day. And we handed out water all day long by hand, which is terrible, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, and uh, this is like the day after the storm. And so that began, so us partnering with Catholic Charities began what, what became a food distribution center that went on longer than any other food distribution centers in our area, um, where we were serving at our high point, I think it was about 5,000 people a day. 
Um, and just cars coming through. We got Havoc Charities hired. Um, Andy Cornett, who's a member of my leadership team, is just an awesome man of God and evangelist. Hired him to, to run it. So actually, because Father Luke and I were kind of running it. And that was, you know, and trying to be priests at the same time. So Andy <laughs> was able to take that over. Um, so, yeah, I forget what the, the final number. We always, you know, kind of inflate these, these numbers. But I think it was, <laughs> it was like, you know, 70 to 80,000 people that were, were served through, uh, through St. Dominic Parish uh, during that time in, in the weeks and months following the storm. Um, and most of whom had never been to a Catholic church, had no, no, um, no contact with us. We still do food distributions um, every other month. And, uh, and we've actually gotten a lot better with, with the prayer uh, component of that too. Cause then we were just trying to, just trying to get people fed and through. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but so we're, you know, we're known for that now. And I think that's a pretty awesome thing to be known for. Um, Can I as, ask you something as, to, as that was going on? Like, that's just horrendous. Like I, yeah. We we have a lot of hurricanes up here too. We're right on the Atlantic Ocean, and so okay. we, they just hit you I, I, first, I didn't mean, and then I didn't they mean hit us. Not, yeah, I mean to not acknowledge that. I apologize. No, no, that's okay because the rest of Canada doesn't. Because you have to be on the water, really, don't you? And Canada and the U.S. are so big that those of us that are close to the water can be can this can affect us. But I've never experienced that, and, and so I just mm-hmm. like as you talk me through it, I feel like I'm there, like in my mind's eye, I can picture everything, even though I've never been there. So amazing job. Did did your parishioners? Because again, I know they would have been, you know, trying to find where their trailer was and their car and, you know, the mm-hmm. kids' school, like just devastated. But well, did your person, like how big was your, how many people would come to mass pre, pre uh, hurricane? Just give yeah. me a, help me understand. Yeah. That. I mean, we're probably, we're about, you know, on the books, about 1500 families in our parish. And it was probably 1400, 1500 that would come to mass on a given Sunday across okay. all the masses. So that's, yeah. that gives me some perspective. Love that. Yeah. How, did they get involved in this distribution of food and water and stuff as well? Or You know what was amazing was people that I knew, some just couldn't, you know, because of, of, of their own circumstances. But yeah. the people that I knew had holes in their roofs or were fighting with insurance, you know, all day that would come and, and, and work in that distribution. I mean, there was so many, because we had to have about 100 volunteers a day um, during that, in, in the height of that distribution site. So, so many people that just out of their out of their poverty. And I really think that even with, with, you know, like the parking lot, like, you know, kind of like we had nothing, but what we have, we give to the Lord and Lord does something amazing with it. Um, that people out of their poverty doing that. I had uh, several, got a really beautiful Hispanic ministry here and several of, of my guys from that ministry that would be working all day and come at night and unload trucks and work forklifts and stuff as trucks would arrive with, with food and supplies. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's staggering. I mean, it's so humbling and, and beautiful just to be a part of that. Um, That's the church right there. Yeah. I just wondered what, what the response would have been. Cause I know, you know, the very people in your parish would have been just as much in need as anybody else. But here you have these faith filled people who are in need and also giving generously yeah. from, from their poverty. That's just so that's, Oh, that's so cool in the community. Like, Hey, maybe, maybe you weird Catholics aren't so bad after yeah. all, even though you're not like, even though we didn't think you were like us, because we have so much in common, it's ridiculous, but that must, how, tell me a little bit about that. Like how, how did that go? Yeah. And, and it, that continues to unfold now. So, I mean, it's something we, we obviously, uh, as a, we were, <laughs> this is, it's a silly sort of thing. We're Bay County. That, that's our, the name okay. of our County here. And we were voted in 2019, uh, they have the best of Bay, yeah. uh, you know, like, you know, the different places, you know, best restaurant, best whatever, um, best tattoo parlor, I'm sure, you know, different things like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And, and St. Dominic Parish was voted best place to worship in Bay County. 
And, and I think that has to be just, just kind of because, because people knew us through that, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, really, cause I don't, it's not like there was like an exponential growth in number of people coming no, to mass no. on Sunday. Yeah. Um, we, we have been up until this past on the two year anniversary, this past October, we, we actually dedicated the new, the re, the rebuilt church. So we've started slowly moving back into the church and we're back in there now, but we, we were in a tent up until that point. So we were two years in a tent, wow. um, for our, all of our services. And, uh, so, so yeah, so it definitely had nothing to do with our amenities or, or, right. you know, how, how fancy everything was or constantly breaking technology. And, and, uh, <laughs> as you know, it was, it was all just sort of salvaged stuff that we're, we're, we were trying to, to make work and, and we did somehow, um, you know, the tent could sound romantic. You'd be like, yeah, when we first got into it, we're like, Oh, it was much better than being out just straight outside, but it got old quick. I mean, it was, <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a great moment, uh, a very close uh, priest friend of mine, Father Louis Morosny, is an awesome dynamic priest. He serves in Haiti, in Ansevo, Haiti, at the, the cathedral down there. And uh, we, that spring before, so spring of 2018, so before the hurricane, we had taken, we had taken a, a group down there, myself and uh, 10, 10 parishioners had done a week-long mission trip with him. And we started financially supporting them. And, and it was kind of an interchange of missionaries because... Um, you know, there he's amazing that he's doing great mission work there in, in Haiti. And um, so it wasn't just about like we're sending money to them, but this, this exchange yeah. of, of, of discipleship missionaries. So they came, he brought two people and they actually came after the storm and they, um, they came, they served, they served in the distribution site in the first, it was the first Sunday that we had the tent and he actually preached the masses that weekend and brought a, a collection from his parish um, that they had collected for us. Oh, stuck and it was, it was, and it was, I think it was $16. And um, he presented that. And I kid you not, Ron, the reading that weekend was the widow's might. No. Yeah, no, 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 you can't, you, you can't make this up. We're, we're, he, he's, he presents that to me at mass. I'm crying. Everybody's crying. It's just powerful. But he actually came back and did our parish encounter Christ retreat that next spring, which was amazing. And um, so anyway, a shout out to Father Lewis, who's just an amazing man of God and doing really, really incredible things and great, great support to us. Where are you at now? What's it look like? Mm, Paint me a picture. Man. Well, you know, well, so COVID hit. I don't know if you heard about this thing. Uh, <laughs> COVID hit us. And, uh, you know, not, not to take lightly, obviously, we've had people die and I've been in a lot of hospital rooms and not been allowed to be in other hospital rooms and people have struggled and, and we had the shutdown like everybody else. As a state, Florida worked a lot harder towards opening up a lot sooner than other places in the United States, um, which we're grateful for. We have a lot of people still who aren't able to come and uh, we were still in the midst of hurricane recovery. We were still in the tents and, and so... COVID was kind of like, we're like, oh, you still have like power and you can still talk with each other and, 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 you know, have internet connection. This isn't that bad, you know? So it was almost kind of like what we had been through. This was, <laughs> this was sort of a, uh, uh, and just sort of an interesting development. Obviously there was difficulties with that. I think I reached my lowest point. This is a good, good point of prayer. We were discussing this today during our liturgy meeting for Holy Week that, um, uh, Palm Sunday last year. So 2019, so it would have been a year, almost a year and a half following the storm. Mm. was my lowest point. Like it was mm. the point where, um, so someone had broken into, we, our bookstore that was in our parish hall, you know, got destroyed. So uh, we got a little boutique bookstore that, you know, is, is set up and, and it's actually does great evangelization work. It's the last Christian bookstore in Panama city, actually. It's this, this little, this little one room uh, building that Melinda who works for us does a great job running. 
um, someone had kicked the door in on that and, you know, taking, you know, taking whatever the hundred bucks out of the, the cash register, um, which, you know, that, that's unfortunate. We'd had a little string of robberies at that time. And then someone, we didn't know it, but so we were still televising the mass from the tent. So we salvaged cameras and we're doing, you know, all, all salvage mm-hmm. equipment out, out of the, the church that was, you know, still gutted at that point. And uh, we were, you know, had it set up and someone had, had that person that had done that had also come into the tent and there was like a, a big rig with the, the, the uh, computer and rigged up the cameras and they cut the ethernet cable by which we transmitted the, uh, the, the TV mass. And so now all of a sudden nobody can come to mass. And the way that we have of getting the mass was, was cut, was cut out from under us. That was really that for me, it was kind of like, it all sort of finally caught up with me. Just that, that kind yeah. of, I was just going so hard. Um, and, 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 and I'm, I'm still, you know, you know, still in that place too. I'm kind of a more out sort of front uh, kind of person. So to be able to be reflective and, and yes. to be able to mourn appropriately and all those things is still something that I, I have to be very intentional about, but man, I just reached that point where I was just like, just empty. And, and one of, one of my team members, Teresa who's on my leadership team. I reminded her of it today during the, uh, during the, um, our, our meeting that we had earlier, just, uh, she, she must've seen it in me. And, and so she called me that day and left me a message. Like, Oh, Michael, I just want to remind you of like, of what is happening from this place. Like the, the, the lives that are being shaped, you know, by, by the gospel that we've continued are continuing to be impacted by the gospel. The enemy hates it. The enemy is going to, going to rail against it, but to just be focused there, you know, so in any, any, you know, condemnation from the enemy, we have to recognize it for what it is and reject it. It was, it was such a great word from her. And, uh, but it, man, I, I, I really did. And I was able to, to, to respond to that by the, by the grace of God and keep moving forward. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been a strange year, like for everybody, it's been, it's been a very, very strange year. Uh, we, we dedicated our church on the, the two year anniversary of hurricane Michael. So I love that when you dedicate a church, um, cause we got everything new. We actually turned the direct little, literally turned the direction of our church. Really? Um, uh, so it was cause some of the, we didn't have good entryways or a narthex or a vestibule greeting area or anything in, in the old church. We didn't have a baptistry. We didn't have confessionals in the church. So we were able to expand all that and, and, and turn the direction and then had the dedication, um, on the two year anniversary. And so now the two year, the anniversary of Hurricane Michael, October 10th, is now, is now a solemnity for us. It's now a feast day, um, which, which <laughs> claim in a sense, back. yeah, to claim, to claim that day. Um, and so that was beautiful. And there's been, you know, uh, we're about to be breaking ground on the Monsignor Crow Community Center, which will build back the buildings that were lost. We're having to do a big, you know, $3 million capital campaign over the top of insurance in order to do all the work that needs to be done. Um, so there's lots of, of those logistical and, and, um, pragmatic stewardship kind of questions and things yeah. in the midst of, you know, in the midst of, of still a lot of economic uncertainty in our area. But we have to, I'm just, we're just trying to be faithful to what's in front of us. And mm. to, uh, we had our Encounter Christ retreat uh, um, this past, uh, right at the start of Lent, Father John Ricardo with Acts 29, they came and, and were able to do that for us. And we've been doing a preaching series on the Kerygma, um, you know, kind of unpacking and going deeper with that, that our rescued uh, series. So yeah, that, that, that's kind of where we are. We're trying to be trying to be faithful to what's in front of us and to be really cognizant of as a team. You know, obviously you go through so many uh, kind of uh, tumultuous, tragic events to be uh, the the blank spots in your your team and in your work and everything. Mm-hmm. Really, um, th- those become very very apparent. You know, and so having to work through those and having for myself as a leader learning to have difficult conversations more consistently. 
is uh, is 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 a real. You know, that's just something just recently. I've, I've been I've been really keen into a lot more, and uh, mm. but it's worth it. It's obviously it's it's worth the work, but it's 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 crazy. I mean, <laughs> leadership is tough, isn't it? Yeah, and there's probably yeah. few things less enjoyable or desirable than to have to have crucial conversations to mm-hmm. to deal with issues that are arising. I mean, they always will. I mean, that's the nature of leadership. And so, uh, yeah, but put that in the, in the context of all the other things that you're doing, that stuff. Tell me a little bit about your team, like in terms of the structure, like your church would probably be about the same size, St. Benedict, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, tell so, me a little bit about the team structure. Yes, yeah, so we got a great staff, I think uh, about 15 on staff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, some time before the storm, uh, Teresa, who I mentioned, she uh, she had I hired her as a youth minister and uh, just just an awesome person, awesome disciple and wife and mother and, and really good friend. Who um, we started discerning her position, moved from the youth ministry towards, uh, and it was in a position that we invented at the time, director of missionary discipleship, um, really to help try to in- impact the other programs and and, and faith you know uh, faith formation. At, activities of the parish towards towards that missionary discipleship um that's been kind of a fluid position for her she's had to step back into youth ministry this past year as our youth minister uh, who's awesome he's now doing our young adult ministry but he's also doing counseling for us we have him half time doing uh doing counseling which has been wonderful uh, so that's ryan um who's, who's doing that um so yeah we, we have a good team with a diversity of gifts we're, we're recognizing some of the the um the spots that we need to really kind of pour more into. I'm very much a visionary out front kind of inspiration person. Um, as far as strategy, strategy has always been our difficult thing that we have not, um, that we're starting to key into right now. That's been kind of taking up a lot of our time with our leadership team. One of my deacons who's recently retired from the military, that's what he's, he did in, in the military, both um, when he was active duty, but also in his, in his uh, contract career um, as, as a um, civilian. So helping us to formulate that strategy more consistently. So, um, and, and we continue to benefit. I, I think we're in such like an amazing age of, of parish renewal and leadership, uh, just resources um, in, in the church that are really are just, just incredible. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, with, you know, we've done a lot with Amazing Parish and obviously with Divine Renovation and uh, Rebuilt has, has had, had a huge impact on us, Acts 29 now. So it's kind of a, kind of interesting, uh, just sort of recognizing this. Uh, this I think as, a, as an authentic movement of the Holy Spirit uh, that that God is, is doing some great things there. Um, but I can't I can't sit still with it. You know, I'm, I'm I've, I've I can't I can't be at a maintenance parish, and so uh, <laughs> no, you, know, you can't. <laughs> so it's 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 been interesting to see like just kind of having to, to rebuild it in a sense. Can we rebuild everything towards the mission? And uh, we have that opportunity. Our, our building is really going to, towards that. And, you know, we're seeing with the Monsignor Crow Community Center for that to be uh, the shallow entry point. That's kind of the image I, I keep using. I know Alpha uses that image a lot, which is, I think is a great one. Because um, the mass is difficult to invite people to. You know, we, have, we try to have as engaging and beautiful and uplifting and welcoming a, a mass as possible. Um, but just recognizing that there are some inherent challenges with that, particularly in our area. So to have activities and events that are ordered towards um, towards being able to invite people easily to having a gym as as part of that as well. Um, so anyway, so that 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 is an exciting aspect of this over this next year is that'll be built um, to uh, to help facilitate that. But obviously, you know, you, you can have the best buildings in the world, and if and if the heart and the vision and direction and the strategy behind it isn't there, then then it's just it's just a big building. 
So, and, we, and, we, and we've had those. And I think recognizing that we've, we've had the buildings before, were we doing it then? And so to think magically, which is always the temptation after what we've gone through is just, oh, I just want to get back to normal. I just can't wait to get back into the church, which I, I was in. So I'm, I'm, I'm not immune to that. Um, but recognize, continuing to, to like that, that interior conversion of saying, is, are, we, are we just relying on a building to do the work for us instead of having, having you know, the difficult conversations or those encounters with the Lord or my own personal commitment to prayer? And formation, um, yeah, just just to keep being drawn back to that, I think has been and continues to be a challenge. You've uh, even as I listened to you, and and you just confessed earlier that you know you really are a man who will spring into action. Like you see, it's almost like you that role of leader, of father, of provider, of like you just step into it with with no reserve. It seems. Mm. Um, and it's funny because adversity helps form our character, doesn't it? Like it, it, it form, it reveals our character and it also continues to form it as a leader. What would you say are the two or three big growths in yourself, mm. um, since you've been a priest? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, um, I would say that area of the crucial conversations of stepping into those difficult areas. I think I kind of credited a lot of that of me not talking to people as just, well, I'm just really easygoing or I'm just, I just, you know, I don't notice things or, or whatever it might be, but to, to not have difficult conversations with people um, ensures that that's going to continue to frustrate me and, and give me, you know, resentments and all those sorts of things that really can grow. And that, that is astonishing just how in any organization, those areas of resentment can grow unless you're facing them and having the tough conversation. Um, the, uh, I think uh, Pat Lencioni recently talked about it as being a jerk, you know, being, you know, you know, being able to be a jerk with a small J. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's one of those things too, that recognizing that I, in a sense, have, have at times abdicated my responsibility there and my leadership there because I'm so much focused on the things that I just like to do, which is to be out front, to be visionary, to be, you know, just working hard that to not be able to turn to see, am I actually leading people? And I think that that's, that's one of the, one of the challenges too, is I can, I can inspire without leading people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a tough, that's a tough lesson. And, you know, and, and something that not that, that I've mastered and something I'm continuing um, to, uh, to look at to just being inspiring is not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a sense, you can lead without inspiring too. So, so, you know, that, that, and that's probably better. If you're going to choose inspiration or leadership, you probably want leadership. Um, and so just, just as a good kind of gut check for me of recognizing how, um, I need to be doing that too. And it's something also, um, working with, uh, with the, our Bishop, we have an awesome Bishop here, Bishop Bill Walk who's doing a lot of great things. Actually, just before this call, I was, I was with his, his working group talking about, um, just some aspects of evangelization and growth in the diocese. And, and he's, he's really engaging with that. One of the things that we we've, we've taken on is, is work with the young clergy in the diocese. I'm not a young clergy, you know, people see me think, <laughs> Depending on depending on the, on the quality of the Zoom call, I think I'm I'm younger, or older, or whatever. But, you know, I've been a priest for 11 years now, so I've been doing it for a little while. Um, but uh, but so working with the young clergy, one of the things that, that I definitely wanted to have been focusing on with them is is those crucial conversations, is those areas of leadership um, that would never came up and never 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 happened in, in seminary, never happened in in, um, in any of those things. So so for me, it kind of gets uh, gets in the difference between I think what was highlighted for us was what they would call servant leadership, which is basically like 
the, the leader should, should be able to wash the dishes or whatever, which is great. That, that's an awesome thing. But in a sense, that can be the easy thing. And that's something I definitely fell into following the storm. Actually, my, my associate pastor had a good crucial conversation with me about that. I'm fine getting in the loading line and unloading pallet after pallet of stuff. But doing, having those 20,000 foot conversations with people, having to you know, address things that are going on within the staff that, that need to be changed, I would rather just go work hard. You, you know? And so being able to, to, to face that as well. Um, and it's something, you know, it's, you know, that might change day to day. Um, but I think the, 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 that's the real thing. So real servant leadership is actually, if you're going to be the leader, you're the one who has the conversation that no one wants to have. Right. And, and uh, I hate that. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah. I don't like it at all. And, and uh, but praise God, praise God for it. And, and, um, and so I'm, I'm continuing to, to challenge myself and ask my team to challenge me with it as well. Um, and uh, I think that's where real growth happens too. And the sense of for me to say like, all right, every day I need to have a crucial conversation with somebody mm. um, and not because I'm looking for a fight or because I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad tempered. Um, and not because it's just my own personal annoyance with things, but for the right. sake of, of, of the mission and the vision and direction we're going, that I need to be able to have those conversations and engagements. Well, it's the leadership piece, isn't it? Because as a leader, we create the culture. And if you're going to let culture run itself, it's never going to go to a place of health. It'll go to a place of a bunch of individuals with personal preferences. And that's a disaster. Yeah. And so thank you for your courage to have those conversations. I wrote the, I wrote the book on that. So <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, going, going back to that inspiration thing, to think that insp- inspiration can bring about change and it can't. Right. Right. And, and, and I think that maybe for people who are less, you know, boisterous or, or charismatic and, or Public speaking is not their, their, their gift that, in a sense, those, those gifts that I naturally have, those don't necessarily move the needle on things, uh, particularly with an institution. So maybe to, to challenge those that rely on those gifts, but also to, to affirm those who mess, maybe don't, don't have those gifts so that you can still, be, you can still lead because you can have that one-to-one conversation um, that, needs, that needs to happen. And I think that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good, again, realizations that are coming to me the longer that I do this and the longer that I'm in it. Um, that are tough. It's, it's, it's tough. I just, I just wish I could give that, that killer homily or talk and just. Right. Drop the mic and sail off over to play tennis. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. I love, you know, what I'm hearing as you're talking to, I'm hearing a man with passion, with capacity and is willing to engage. And then at the same time, the humility to learn and grow, like you just listed off all kinds of influences that you've reached out to or been a part of. So you've, You've allowed other people to mold you and grow you and even on your own team, giving mm. people permission to speak into you and, and being able to learn from what they're speaking into. Father Mike, that is, as far as I'm concerned, the recipe for, for long-term fruitfulness mm. uh, for a priest in his vocation. I love what you're doing. Way Thanks, to God. go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on here today and taking the time. I'm so excited to hear that you're on the road to recovery, that your parish is doing well. And uh, I look forward to continue to see your impact in years to come. Awesome. Thanks. God bless. God bless. Father Michael mentioned a touching story involving his friend, Father Louis Morosny from Haiti. And as this episode airs, I realize our Haitian friends are still dealing with the assassination of their president. Please pray for them. Father Michael also mentioned that his parish was able to stay focused on mission. You see, St. Dominic's has a culture of evangelization. 
I once wrote a talk entitled How to Kill Alpha in 10 Easy Steps because there are so many ways to unintentionally undermine your efforts as a parish when running Alpha. So why not join me in a live book study on unlocking your parish, making disciples, and raising up leaders with Alpha. It starts this week. Invite your entire Alpha team, all of your Alpha alumni, and let's come out of COVID and head into this new ministry season united in purpose and with renewed sense of passion to go beyond the pews. Go to ronhuntley.com and sign up today. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Impact.